0: You are listening to the Discovery City Church Sermon Podcast. To learn more about us, including our location and service times, please visit us at discoverycitychurch.com. We hope this sermon will encourage and build your faith as you pursue God, community, and influence within your world. Now, the message from our lead pastor, Caleb York. It's our new series and starting next week. This changes everything. We're going to be breaking that down. Hope you guys come back for that. We're really going to look at what did Jesus have in mind for the church. I think so many times we get cut off on things that make us comfortable. Things like tradition. Well, it's just always been done. Well, it wasn't done by Jesus. And so we're going to talk about that next week. You don't want to miss that. But today, I want to talk about hope in action. How many of us want more for our lives today than we did yesterday? Anybody? I'm holding my hand up for that one. I want more for my life today and tomorrow than I did yesterday. Yeah, we all want to be better. Let me give you some categories here. How about relationally? How many of you guys want to be better relationally? I sure do. I want to be more relational with people in my life. How about this? Financially. That's a big hitter right there. <laughs> yeah, we all want to be financially better. How about physically? That's right. That's right. I got a buddy here today from UPS, and uh, we actually, uh, I work UPS uh, part-time and uh, actually just finished up with them, and man, we're lifting some heavy, heavy packages. This is probably some of the physically best I've been in the last couple of years, because we're like lifting weights out there, all right? So if you get something really heavy from UPS, you can thank Caleb and Josh, all right? But physically, we want to be more better. How about this? Spiritually. Spiritually, we want to be better. We want to be better. Of all these areas, we I've seen so many hands raised, but I'm sure all of us would agree. In one area or another, or all of them, we raise our hands and we say, yeah, I want to be better in these areas. And so we're halfway through, we're over halfway through 2019. And I thought, you know, instead of talking about this, because this is a topic that people wait till New Year's to talk about, how about we talk about it now? How about we talk about what God can actually do in our lives now instead of waiting, well, maybe maybe God will do something big in my life in 2020. No, no, no. How about now? Right where you're at. Hope in action where you are in your life. And so I wanted you to finish this statement. If you've got a service guide on the inside of FLAP, you'll find our talk notes. Can I encourage you with this? Take notes with us take notes with us. For some of you, maybe you're used to going to a church where you kind of stare off into the space during the message and then leave and feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside because you just attended. We actually want you to change here. We all want to change. I want to change. And so we think one way that can help with that is write some things down. It's going to help you remember what we talked about today and watch God do some things in your life. So open up that flap and answer this question. Finish this statement. In the future, I hope to blank. In the future, I hope to blank. Maybe for you, it's in the future. I hope to have a stronger marriage. I hope to have, I hope to pay off student debt. I hope to uh, overcome this house project that will not finish. Some of you guys, you know what I'm talking about. I hope to be healthier physically. I hope to start serving at church. I hope to be a stronger Christian, to be stronger spiritually. Fill in the blank. What is it for you? I hope to. Of most of us, we want to be better, but I rarely ever find someone that's like, you know, I really want to get worse. I never run into anybody like that. I've never run into a person that says, man, I really hope I gain an additional 40 extra unnecessary pounds this next year. That would just be fantastic. I never hear anybody say that and put myself at risk of heart attack and all these other problems with the body man i really hope that this next year i blow right through my emergency fund and gain another 25 to 30 thousand in debt that would just yeah you don't hear people say that we don't hear people have that because we naturally we want to get better i never look at my marriage and said man my marriage is doing really good this year but next year i hope it gets decimated Nobody wants that. We want to be better. We want to do better. And here's what I want us to realize this morning when it comes to hope. Hope in and of itself changes nothing. Hope in and of itself changes nothing. Actions do, though. Actions change things. Hope can be a catalyst for change, but action can actually get you there. And like I said earlier today, we're not talking about a hope that's kind of like a wishful, hopeful thing. We're talking about an active pursuit. Hope that is an active pursuit of Jesus. Hope in action. And so this morning, we see the Bible talks about this. And this is not, we're not talking about a New Year's resolution. We're not talking about a motivational speech. I don't want to give you a motivational speech this morning. I'm actually going to give you God's word. God's word actually says to put hope in action. To put hope in action. And we see this in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. If you got your Bibles open up, we've also got it on the screen if you didn't bring your Bibles with you. But 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 is where we're going to begin reading this morning. It says this. Halfway through the verse of 13 it says this. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be confused or do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. In other words, discipline, be disciplined. Go back to the first part of verse 13. I skipped it, but I skipped it on purpose because I want us to catch this. First part of verse 13 says this, preparing your minds for, what does it say? Action and being sober minded. Another version says this, self-disciplined. Self-discipline, putting hope in action will take discipline. Now, we just finished our family series a while back, and we talked about discipline. We defined it when it came to child rearing, when you're disciplining a child or someone else. But right here, we're talking about self-discipline, to discipline yourself. What is this discipline? This discipline is this, choosing what you want most over what you want now. That's discipline right there. Choosing what you want most over what you want right now. Let me give you an example. I would love to play basketball three nights a week right now. Anybody up for that and play some basketball? Just me. Okay. I was hoping to get a team rolling. Um, But you know, I'd love to do that right now. I'd love to be playing uh, in the evenings, go out, hang out with some guys, have a great time, have some fellowship, hurt somebody playing basketball. But you know what? You know what I want most? I want a relationship with my wife and kids. And if I'm gone three nights a week, that's time that's taken away from that relationship. That's what I want most. I'd love to go eat out five days a week. Oh, man. You want to watch me balloon up? Whew. Watch me five days a week out. I'd love to do that now. But you know what? What I want most is to be, from, to be out from underneath the weight of the dead that keeps me up at night. It's wanting what you want most over what you want now. That's Discipline. And so today, I want to look at a story, the story of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. And I'd like to show you three ways this morning, three ways that we can put hope in action. Hope in action. The first thing I want you to write down is this. Define the problem. Define the problem. We see this in Nehemiah's life right here. And to give you a little background, we see Nehemiah is a Jewish man. Right now, he's working for the king, the Persian king, Artaxerxes. And he has a really good job. He's a cupbearer. Now, some people, when they hear that, they think, oh, he just holds his cup? No, that's not, a, that's not what a cupbearer does. A cupbearer actually tastes and drinks every bit of food before the king does. This was a day and age where people would try to poison the king. And so to protect the king, someone had this really good job. It was a great job up until that one time. You drop dead. But we see he's the cupbearer for King Artaxerxes, and we find that he has some friends that come back into town. And we see in the first, uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, we see he begins to define the problem because he has these buddies come back into town. To give you a little more background with Jerusalem at this time, we see that Jerusalem has been in, uh, the Jews have been in exile for 70 years. And so right now, many of them are returning to Jerusalem and they're finding a problem with the city. And so they're coming back. And some buddies come back to Nehemiah and they give a bad report. And we're going to pick that up right here in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3. Chapter 1, verse 3 says this. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. I want you to catch something here. And it's important to note the significance of a wall around a city in this day and age. If you didn't have a wall around your city, you were defenseless. You were at risk. You were vulnerable for your enemies to easily just come in and attack you. It was, the wall was your greatest protection. It was your security. And we see Jerusalem at this time has zero wall. They destroyed the wall many, many years before. They burned the gates. And Nehemiah, hearing about this in his homeland... I want you to understand something. He begins to define the problem of what's going on with his homeland and what's stirring in his own heart. He begins to define it. And I want you to understand, as we go through this story, Nehemiah didn't just have hope that things got better. We're going to see what he does in this story. And maybe you're here this morning, and you've been defining the problem in your life. You've been trying to figure out what is it? What is it? That's causing my marriage to fail. What is it that's causing our financial stability to crumble? What is it that's causing my kids to run away from me? What is it? Maybe you're here this morning and you're trying to define the problem. You've been doing it for years, trying to figure out what is it? We see right here, this is the case for Nehemiah. Nehemiah the walls of Jericho have been broken down I want you to understand this It wasn't like a couple of years that they were broken down The walls of Jerusalem were broken down for 152 years Nehemiah has never seen these walls built up But he's familiar with his homeland He's familiar with where he comes from And so he finally gets to a point in his life where he said Somebody needs to end this disgrace For a city not to have walls was a joke Jerusalem became a joke And Nehemiah comes to this place and says, somebody's got to end this disgrace. It's no doubt for many of you, you've tried to do something for years and years. You've tried to define the problem. You've tried to change things. You've tried to do better. You've tried to tweak yourself. You've tried to do all these things. But for years, you haven't been successful. And as much as you don't want to admit it in your marriage, it's not what it should be. You never thought that a substance would have so much control over your life as it does. For some of you, it's admitting that you need help with depression. I want you to write down this this morning, and it's not in your blanks. This is just extra. You can't defeat what you don't define, or actually it is in our notes. You can't defeat what you don't define. This morning, some of us were living in a cloud, We know there's a problem going on in our life. We know there's something that we need God's help with, but we don't want to truly define it. We would rather be ignorant to the problem. But can I tell you this this morning? You can't defeat what you don't define. How do you define it? Call it out. Make it clear. This is the problem. This is what's going on in my life. I love this, the story with Nehemiah. As you're reading through this, this book here of Nehemiah and you're reading his story, we see from one page he's defining the problem. He's, he's saying there's no walls. Somebody needs to build the walls. He's defining the problem. He knows what the problem is. He knows what the solution is. And then the next page, you turn the page and it says this, we must rebuild the wall. He went from knowing what the problem was, knowing what needed to be done, to It's my responsibility. We must rebuild the wall. We see this point in Nehemiah's life where moving forward, it was going to be different. Things were going to be different. And maybe that's what today needs to be for you. You need to come to a point in your life where you say, you know what? From now on, it's going to be different. Things are going to be different in my life. It's time for you, just like this book of Nehemiah, it's time for you to turn the page and say, you know what? I'm going to pursue my spouse. It's time for you to say, you know what? As a family, we're going to be consistent in attending church, and we're going to make it a priority in our life. For some of you, maybe it's committing to actually being in God's word every day and saying, you know what? I'm committed to what God's is going to say into my life. I'm not just going to read it in ear one, ear, one in ear and out the other. I'm actually going to apply it to my life. I'm actually going to do what it tells me to do. It's committing to do that. It's time for us to say it's gone on long enough. It's time for us to say it's going to be different. I'm turning the page. The past was a different story. I'm on a new page in my life now. This is how it was when I've turned the page. You see what happens. In our lives, things can be painful, they can be unstable, they can be rocky for a long time, and when that happens, for a length of period of time, it becomes normal in our life, and when it becomes normal in our life, when trouble comes our way, when ruin comes our way, when disgrace comes our way, we don't know anything different. We think it's normal. We think it's just regular. These walls in our lives have been broken down, and it's made it easy for our spiritual enemy, and I'm going to say his name, Satan, the devil. He's real. It makes it easy for him to come into your life and invade your life. It makes it easy for him to come in and attack us because we didn't even know our walls were down. Can I encourage you with this today? If you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I think my walls are down. I think my walls have been destroyed. I didn't even know it. And Satan is wreaking havoc in my life. Can I encourage you with this? It's when you're in these low points like this. It's when you're going through these biggest problems that you can show God the greatest glory. To put hope into action, we need to define the problem. Have you defined the problem this morning? Secondly, write this down. We need to diligently seek God. To have hope in action, we need to define the problem, and then secondly, diligently seek God. We see Nehemiah do this in uh, verse 4. Nehemiah verse 4 says this, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now, there is a reality of sadness here, Nehemiah is a mess. He's saddened to hear this about his city, that it's in ruins still, that nobody's done anything about it. And he begins to sit down and he begins to cry. But one thing that I think is so amazing about this, even in this moment of sadness, he sits and he cries, but then all of a sudden he kneels and he begins to pray. He begins to talk to the creator of the universe. And in this moment, we see that he's defined the problem. Jerusalem is in great trouble. It's in disgrace. And then he diligently took it to the one who could help him. He took it to the God of the universe who could do something about it. Maybe in your life, God's given you a vision to do something. And so many of you are probably thinking, ooh, a vision, a bright light. No, no, no. could be an idea. could be a dream. But God has put something on your heart to do something. Maybe it's to be a part of a new, brand new church like this. Maybe it's to love on your neighbor who needs help. Maybe it's that coworker. I don't know what it is. But maybe God's put a vision on your heart. He's given you something to do. And can I tell you this? To do it, to do what God's called you to do, you're going to need his help. You're not going to be able to do it alone. That's why we, when we diligently seek God, it will change how you think. And the motives of your heart will lead you to a new action. Maybe you've been in a similar moment like this. For some of you that are parents, that first child that you had, when you have that first baby, everything changes. Everything changes, doesn't it? Your priorities change. Your focuses change. What you do at work changes. What you do at home changes. Everything changes. I've talked to young dads who are waiting for their baby to be born. They're like, oh yeah, my life's already changed. We had to paint the nursery. No, 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 that's not change. Your priorities change completely. And your focus goes from self to someone else. This little person. Let me give you another one. How about this? And I've been there too. How about when you get that late payment notice? Or that eviction notice, I haven't had that yet, don't want to have that. Or that notification that your bank account's overdrawn. And you say, you know what, this has got to stop. I can't live like this. I mean, it'll drive you insane getting those kind of notifications. But I remember young, being young, and, and me and my wife early on in our marriage, and we would get those overdraft. And I'm like, I can't, I can't live like this. I can't do this anymore. We've got to be better financially in our life. There has to come a point where you see those notifications and you go, we can't do this again. Something's got to change. We've got to make something change. Something's got to be different. Something's got to happen. You know what that is? It's you determining. It's you determining this is the hope you're putting in action. And you're seeking God. You're seeking his face and his power to help you change. We saw this begin to happen when Nehemiah starts to pray and fast. After hearing the news about the walls of Jericho or Jerusalem, I knew I was going to say that this morning, about the walls of Jerusalem. And then we saw how he spoke, he speaks to the king and we're not going to read the story, but we see he speaks to King Artaxerxes. And one thing I love about that story is this. What happens is Nehemiah walks in in front of the king and he's kind of like down and out. You know what I mean? He's kind of not really fully there. He's sad. He's kind of, I wouldn't say he has a bad attitude, but he has a mournful, He's a sad attitude around the king. And in those days, you had to watch your attitude around the king. Because if the king didn't like your attitude, he'd say, take that guy and execute him, please. I don't like his attitude. But we see God do something amazing that day. Because King Artaxerxes goes, Nehemiah, what's wrong? And he begins to tell the story of Jerusalem. And this king is moved by this story. It's God working on his heart. He says, you know what, Nehemiah? Take what you need and go rebuild the walls. That's God right there. That's God moving in action. Nehemiah, he takes this time and he diligently seeks God. And God begins to open the doors. God begins to make things happen. He gives favor to Nehemiah because Nehemiah was willing to diligently seek God through prayer You know, it would have been easy for Nehemiah to think, "You know what? This is terrible. This is a terrible situation. Put Nehemiah in our shoes nowadays. Put him in today's time and date with technology. Now this is terrible. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go on Facebook, and I'm going to write a detailed post that tells everyone about this sad story, what's going on. And then I'm going to put copy and paste at the bottom. And if you don't, then you really don't love God. and stuff like, oh, I love this. And I'm like, goodbye. (laughs) Don't tell me I don't love God. But I imagine he could have done that. He could have had that kind of reaction, but he doesn't. And he he could have looked at his own life and said, you know what? I'm not even a mason. I'm not even a builder. How am I supposed to do something different? How am I supposed to make this happen? I have no clue where to start to rebuild some walls. But he doesn't do that. He's got a great job. Literally, he's a professional drinker. That's his job. Literally, that's his job. Some of us probably would want that job in this room, right? None of you should, all right? But he has all these things going for him. I could imagine him have all these doubts flood into his mind because, you know what, someone else could do this. I'm not counted as I could be. Someone else is more qualified. I imagine all these doubts flood in. How many times do we have those doubts in our life? Can I tell you as a church planner coming to Canal Winchester, Ohio and not knowing a soul in this town? I've had those doubts before. Maybe I'll start and we'll fail. I don't have what it takes. I'm not qualified to do that. I could imagine Nehemiah could have had those thoughts flooding into his mind. I don't have what it takes. But that's exactly why it's imperative that we diligently seek God. Because God doesn't always call the equipped. But he always equips the called. What's God calling you to do? What's God calling you to do? We only know that we're called if we diligently seek After him. And we see in this story, Nehemiah, he diligently sought God. He took ownership of the problem. So he could also own the solution with God's help. Think about your current habits right now and write this down this morning. What is one change you could make today that would put you on the path God intended for you? What is one change that you could make today? that would put you on the path that God intended for you. What is it? Think about that. What is it? What's that one change that you could make in your life to free yourself, to open yourself for God to do a great work? Could you imagine what you could do for the kingdom if you were physically in shape? Could you imagine what you could do if you were physically healthier? Could you imagine... Who you could bless and how you could honor God by returning tithe if you were financially free? If your relationship with Christ was stronger, how much bolder could you be with your witness? You know, when we realize that God has given us everything we need to do everything that he wants us to do, our lives begin to change. How do we put hope in action? Number one, number one, we define the problem. Number two, we diligently seek God. And then number three, write this down, do the work. Do the work. You gotta do the work. Year after year after year comes and goes and you find yourself in the same place. Guys, it's time we say, you know what? Things are gonna be different. This morning, I'm not talking about a New Year's resolution that'll just be dead in three weeks, anyways. I'm talking about actual life change. Do you want things to change in your life? Or we're talking about putting hope in action, empowered by the Spirit of God, to change the trajectory of your life from this day forward because your story is changing. What was is gone. Yesterday is done, it's the past. What can we do today? Are you turning the page? Nehemiah did this when he got to Jerusalem. He's inspected the walls. He's seen what needs to be done. He's looking at all these things. He's acknowledged the extent of the damage. He's gathered all the leaders. We see he gathers the noblemen. He gathers uh, the priests, the officials, and he says to them in in, uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17, he lays it out for them. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good. And also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. You want to know what the good news is in this story right here? The good news is that you're going to do the work. But you want to know what the great news is? You're not going to do it alone. You're not going to do it alone. God's going to be with you. Others should be with you. And let me tell you this. You know what? We hear this story of Nehemiah, and everything is lined up. King Artaxerxes on his side, sends him On the path, he gets there. These men, these leaders of Jerusalem, they jump on board. And they're like, dude, let's get to work. Let's go get this thing going. And so many times we think in our lives, man, you know what? When you actually do things for God, no one's going to get in your way. No one's going to be against it. Everybody's going to be for it. Guess what? We're running into a part of the story where opposition shows up. Let me tell you this. If you're going to do the work, if you're going to put your hope into action, You better anticipate. You better expect opposition. We see Nehemiah experience this with two men named Sam Ballot and Tobiah. They walk up and they begin to insult what they're doing. These workers are doing. I mean, this is a miracle. The opportunity that God has brought this man there. He's brought Nehemiah. He's brought all these people around him and they are working and they are working. They're doing something that no one thought was possible. And then you got these two like hecklers, these two naysayers show up. And they're like, what are you doing, Nehemiah? You can't do that. Look at the supplies you're using. The supplies aren't even from like Home Depot. You like found those in the garbage somewhere. What are you doing? That's pretty much what they said to him. You're using supplies from the trash heap. You didn't even go get new stuff, you cheapo. This wall's not even going to stand. And then they begin to kind of joke. and They're like, man, even if a fox begins to run across it, it's going to fall down. Can't even support a fox. And with all this opposition, Nehemiah is ready for it. And I love his steadfast mindset in this, this part right here. Because look how he replies in Nehemiah 6 verse 3. He says this, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. I love this. He's like, guys, I'm busy doing something more important. I don't have time to chat. I don't have time to come down and tell you how wrong you are and how right I am. So that I don't have time for that because I'm too busy doing something that's way more important than what you're talking about. I love how he just shakes them off. He shakes them off like nothing. I'm not coming down there. I'm busy. And in your own life, when you begin to put hope into action, when you begin to make changes, you better be ready. Because Satan's going to want to come to your ear and say, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? You can't do that. You can't do that. Oh, you think you can get clean by going to a couple week sessions? No, you can't do that. You're never going to quit. Oh, you think your marriage can be better? No, 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 no. Your spouse is never going to change. They're always going to be that way. Oh, you think you can control that anger, that temper that you deal with when something doesn't go your way? No, you're always going to fly off the handle. That's Satan speaking to you. He's a naysayer. He's opposition. Shake it off. Shake those words off. Can I tell you as a pastor for the last 10 months of a little church, I've had to shake Satan off. Cause he tells me, man, you don't have what it takes. You're not a good enough preacher. You don't have what it takes. You're not a really good at making relationships. You, you know, you're not one of those people who are really good at talking to people. Shake it off. You know, you really, man, you're not really that, that hard of a worker. You're kind of lazy. Shake it off. It's Satan. What is it for you? time for us to tell satan that's the old me this is the new me i've turned the page i've turned the page god is with me he's given me everything that i need and i'm not alone he's with me it's time for us to put hope into action because with his help we'll rebuild the walls with his help guess what we're going to do a good work and it's time to tell satan i ain't coming down I ain't backing off. Shake it off. Remember, you don't just have hope. You have hope and action. What do we say? Hope. Hope is great. Hope is good to have. But action is where things get done. It's time we put hope into action, inspired by God, by diligently seeking him and receiving his help and his guidance. And as you put hope in action, can I tell you this? Become resolute in your determination to do the work. Become so determined that nothing can turn you away. In Nehemiah's case, I want you to catch this. In Nehemiah's case, the results are stunning. Because a wall that was destroyed for 152 years, I want you to catch this, was rebuilt in 52 days. No one thought it was possible. No one thought it was possible. I don't know about you, but I don't think we can get a road done in this town in 52 days. They rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. God did exceedingly and abundantly more than what they could have ever possibly imagined. And God can do the same with you. When you define the problem in your life, When you seek him diligently, when you do the work, he turns the page on your life. He turns the page. We need to realize what God wants to do through us will be only limited by the work we're unwilling to do. That's it. So this morning, let me ask you this. What tangible steps can you take in your life? For some of you, you need accountability. You need accountability, someone that you can turn to, someone that you trust and say, hey, here's the problem that I've defined in my life, and I need you to back me up and support me. Can I tell you this? Let it be someone who knows God, who loves God. Because if you get someone who doesn't know Jesus, guess what? They're going to give you great worldly advice, but you need advice from the creator. You need direction from the God who made you. Maybe you need accountability. Maybe you need a mentor, someone to pour into your life. We all need somebody pouring into our life. Is there someone that you know that's following God, that's growing in their faith, that's growing in their life, and they can pour into you as a mentor? Do you need a community group? Okay, let me answer this for you. Yes, you need a community group. We're starting community groups this fall. I'm really nice. I start the week after school instead of the week of school. After school starts up, it's just too hectic. But you know what? We do it every Tuesday night, and we love for you to come out and be a part where we get to be real people with each other. We don't come in with suits and ties and we're like, all right, brother, please open your button No, no, we're real people. This is what's going on in my life. This is how God's changing me. This is where I'm struggling, and we're, we're real with each other, and we laugh, and we have fun. And there's food. Always food. You need a community group. You need a community group to be a part of. It takes God and others in your life to put hope into action long term. Alone, it's always going to be short term. It's never going to last. We weren't created to live alone. We were created for community. We were created for relationships. We're all better together. With God serving as the center that connects us all. When Nehemiah was building the wall. He wasn't doing it alone. We see multiple different groups. People assisted him. None were masons or builders. None of them were qualified, but God brought them together under his direction and put hope into action. Go back to that first statement you wrote in. In the future, I hope to blank. The future, I hope to blank. Know that God and we as a church are with you. You're not alone. You're not alone to put hope into action. So what can you do? Define the problem. Diligently seek God and then do the work. Because as of today, as of this moment, right now, you're on a new page. This morning, how is God speaking to you? How is he moving in your heart? I just want to take the next minute, just in an attitude of prayer, Whatever God's working on your heart about, take it to him. Let's pray right now. Take it to him. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for Nehemiah. We thank you for how you used him. Someone that we could look at and say, you know what? Why did you choose him? But God, you know better. You choose us because we're willing to take the step forward. Not because we're equipped. Not because we have all the skills in the world. Because we're willing to say, yes, God. Whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. That's who you use. God, I pray that there's someone here this morning that they've been they've been avoiding you because they know what you want them to do, but they're not willing to say yes. God, I pray this morning would be the the page turned for them. That from this day forward things would be different and they would say yes to you. God, whatever you want me to do, yes, I'll do it. I'm going to put my hope in you, the hope that you give me, I'm going to put it into action. God, we praise you for what you're doing and how you're speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Discovery City Church podcast. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to help us continue to help others, you can give online at discoverycitychurch.com slash give.